Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Today on Watching Your Wealth, how women define wealth. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. George Walper is president of research and consulting firm Spectrum Group. Welcome, George. Thank you. George, so Spectrum recently did a survey about women and wealth. And one thing that really struck me in the survey was how wealthy women, what they mean when they say someone is rich. Tell us about their de- definition. Wealthy women define rich perhaps differently than um, people's expectations. Uh, it isn't all about money. Now, these are wealthy women. They already have a million dollars of net worth. However, their definition of rich is really driven by one thing, and that is financial security and greater security in life, um, followed somewhat, but not anywhere close, with more flexibility in their career and being able to spend time with family and friends. So it isn't always an economic definition. It's more about how they feel about their financial security and personal security. Did they describe a little bit more of what financial security specifically meant to them? Well, it, it, it means a couple things to them, and, and this comes up throughout the entire report. The first is uh, to be able to retire comfortably when they want to, but also to um, take care of their family, their parents, that's all wrapped into if they're comfortable with their financial security, they feel that the rest of their life falls in place. I see. Because I was going to say, why does financial security mean so much to women, some of the women you're speaking to, versus perhaps the men? Well, it means a lot to men uh, as well. But to, to what we see is that for women, it's a much higher, much greater uh, focus and emphasis in the way they feel about a number of things. Uh, we always like to ask in our research, this concept of are you rich or what does rich mean to you, um, it was interesting to us that greater security came out by far for number one for women, typically is high for men, but nowhere near the degree as it is for women. Interesting. What else is part of folks' perception of financial security or that American dream? Well, the American dream is an interesting question. It's been something that... um, the country has talked about probably now for more years than I can think about. Think of it as 50 or second, 50 years more, World War II generation. So it is very interesting in this research because we found some pretty significant differences across generations where we may have grown up hearing and being told that the American dream is about owning your own home, going to college, etc. Clearly values sort of post-World War II, especially for a World War II generation with young children in the 50s. But what we see now um, is that the American dream is far more for younger people about their own financial security, but also their ability to um, their their ability to have a comfortable life. It isn't about owning a home. It isn't about um, anything other than just being comfortable. Interesting, because I was going to say, you know, we're hearing. You know, some older folks still value the home as that sign of success in the American dream, but not so much for younger folks, it sounds like. They have a much, much less of a need to buy that first house. They have much less of a need to to have that be a definition of the success, where, in fact, over time, the younger folks, uh, much like 
so the very first thing we talked about in terms of security, the younger folks are far more interested in um, the longer term stability of their financial situation. It isn't about necessarily getting there through the first home as a definition. That's a good definition, I, I think, because achieving financial security on your terms and not to mention having experiences. Like for me, I mean, I'd rather travel, be able to travel more than own a home at this point in my life. And perhaps that's somewhat representative of some of the younger folks as well. well I talk a lot about this in, in just looking at millennials and genera- Generation X investors compared to older generation. And we are I think this American dream is a great example of it because Generation X and millennial investors had some pretty significant life events happen Um September 11th was a major factor for them exactly. in terms of where they were developmentally. And then more importantly, on this topic, the financial crisis and the post-crisis recession. And those two types of factors, I mean, I, I talk a lot to younger folks about the financial crisis. And there is some parallel to the World War II generation seeing their parents go through the Depression. It wasn't anywhere near as, as, as severe in the country, but in some families or neighbors, and it was pretty severe. So. That has put this younger generation to be far more cautious and far more sort of more valuing some of these non-financial definitions of what does it mean to them dream-wise down the road. That's right. Yeah, because, you know, you could lose your house. You could lose, you know, 40 or 50 percent of your 401k. They've seen it and they've seen what their parents went through. So, yeah, it's not a really big surprise that they're a little bit more gun shy with some of these things. Back to the wealthy women. Um, I I think some people think, oh, if you're a wealthy woman, you're probably not working. But it sounds like this survey – didn't have that finding. No, we intentionally wanted to get some um, feedback for the for our clients, the financial services industry, and our friends in the media, specifically about when did women work? Are they still working? When did they work relative to having children? Um, but we did find that that some of these folks are retired now, but when they were younger and working. But overall, seventy percent of these wealthy women uh, worked or are still working full time. Um, and then a, a pretty high percentage um, went back to work, continued working or went back to work after their first or second child. Um, and that, I also think, contributes a lot to another topic in here, which is, you know, work and life balance, family life balance, work balance, et cetera, where 80 percent of those women uh, who were working were very satisfied with their balance between work and life. Um, family life, work life. And so it is a very interesting group of women and some of the sort of stereotypes that have been developed over the last many years about can you do both, be a successful parent and a successful career person. You know, looking at this, though, some people will say, well, why are the wealthy women working? Just to play devil's advocate, if you have all the money in the world, what's what's the motivator? Not everybody works because of the money. They work because, one, they're very smart, successful with the career they choose especially when you think of professionals, doctors, lawyers, et cetera. Secondly, um, it's satisfying to them. They're far more um, comfortable and happy with the balance for those folks that were working. In some cases, those that were not working might not have said that their work and family life balances was as good as some of the folks that were working. Um, And so part of it is just the pure pleasure of working in the career they chose. Indeed. And wealthy men have done that for years. So why should it be any different for wealthy women? So that Correct. that's a really interesting point. OK, George, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'd love to hear more about wealthy women. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. 
Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. We're back with Spectrum Group's George Walper. George, what are some of the other top financial concerns of wealthy women? Being able to retire when they want to and how they want to, um, which I think is true for everybody. That isn't just a, a woman factor, but it's very high for women. When we ask, kind of interesting, when we ask um, all investors, health is always high. Not always as high for their spouse, but women are, are fairly um, worried about their spouse health, etc. Um, but depending on the age of the woman, it's also about the health and taking care of their parents. Um, um, because their elder care is becoming a much bigger factor in our country, and it's particularly important for Generation X uh, and even some of the younger uh, baby boomers whose parents might still be alive. Um, and so those are all very important things for them. Indeed. Indeed. Now, the financial advisory community is heavily targeting women. They really understand that the wealth transfer that's going to be happening is going to impact those women more so than men. Women stand to inherit far more than men do on average. So wondering, what are women in general, from what you found, the wealthy women, what are they looking for in their financial advisor? And a lot of it is, as we follow the financial services industry, I agree with you that their wealthy women are a key target for lots of reasons, uh, in addition to what you said. Um, but there are two critical factors that wealthy women look for when they think of a financial advisor and a financial provider or financial services firm. Uh, very close in terms of their ranking. The number one was um, how the referral, who referred them, are they a trusted person, typically friends and family? Um, and then secondly, the reputation uh, at the company that they, the particular advisor works for. But I think what also is equally interesting, perhaps in a different direction, and that is the gender of the advisor is not at all important to them. That is interesting. I, yeah, I bring that up because there is there is always this perception that um, men investors only want to work with male advisors and female advisors only want to work, or sorry, female investors only want to work with female advisors. And that's really not the case that we found with these wealthy women. And I think that's something for the industry to think about. The, the expertise, the value of the advisor is important. Another factor that I do think is interesting is the age of the advisor relative to um, the investor or the customer being in a similar lifestyle, meaning similar age to they are. Um, but I do think that the experience um, and the, the perception of the company the advisor works for is, is important and not the gender. And I think that's going to raise a lot of um, consternation in the industry right now. Indeed. And it should be about competence, not gender in, in any industry or in any case. So very interesting stuff. Thank you so much for joining us, George. You're welcome, Veronica. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.
The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.